playoff race got a whole lot tighter after this weekend's MLS action. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? Pretty good, Garrett. It's, uh, it's a good week. It's uh, The summer's winding down, so uh, I'm sure, like everyone else, I'm trying to make the most of the last few weekends of summer, and, and this weekend there was definitely plenty of action to follow, and especially in MLS. MLS uh, was one of the headlining acts this weekend with the big LA NYCFC tilt. It was, uh, Which, uh, you know, did, did not live up to the billing, but it depends on what side of the Yeah, it depends on what side of the Well, no, it, well, uh, when it comes down to it, I don't know who, who was expecting it and to come out any other way. I mean, we know NYCFC's defense. We know LA's attack. It was always going to end up being pretty ugly. Um, maybe but not 5-1, maybe like 3-1. Hey, all I know is I loaded up my fantasy team with LA Galaxy. Did you really? I had Rotlet. Mind you, I had, not to talk fantasy, Benny Failhaber was my captain, and I still blew out my, my opponent in a battle of first versus second. I had Robbie Keane, I had Giovanni Dos Santos, I had Sebastian Legette, and they all came through. But uh, but no, but still, it was a great. It was just great to see. I mean, it was a little overdone with the with the confetti, like MLS. <laughs> no, MLS dear, dear MLS, no more confetti until the the presentation of MLS Cup. How about that? You can have you can have all the confetti you want. When when the, the MLS Cup champion is is you know lifts the trophy, drown us in confetti. Other than that, no more confetti, no more pregame confetti, no more All Star game confetti. Like like seriously, we just need to cut it out. Confetti's cool, man. Why, why are you hating? And why is it's my just, voice cracking? Also, it's a regular season game. It's a, it's a you know what? Like this is what came to mind when I was watching that. I was yeah. like, you know what? It's like you've been there. Like, and I know even though you haven't, even though you can say, "Oh, well, no MLS game has ever had as much star power as we saw in this game." That's all well and good, but still, like, present it in a way where it's not like exact. It's just I don't I know. know. It's, I thought, it's, it's, geez, it's 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 to the geez. point where it's almost embarrassing. It's like we get yeah, it. It is, and, and like I mean, yeah, people. I mean, MLS has watched around the world now, and I know some people that might surprise some people. I know uh, some people might not buy that or believe that, but it's true. MLS is now. You can see it like in, in almost every continent. People are watching it. People are watching it in England. People are watching it in South America. And I got to say, that stuff looks really cheesy. It looks really bad. And, and it's like, it's one thing if it were the final, but a regular season interconference yeah, game. I, I don't care who's, pl- I don't care that there's star players in this game. It's a league game. Treat it like a league game. Let the game speak for itself. So I'm trying to do all the pomp and circumstance and all this fake hype. Let the games speak for themselves. I always wonder what goes through like Pirlo's mind. Yeah, like I mean, what they, what, I wonder at what like what they must be thinking as they walk on the field when that it's, stuff happens. It, it, they must be just losing much. their mind. It's a little much. Yeah, and uh, no, I agree. I, know, I agree. Well, one thing I will say, and I will argue, I will defend this. Uh, and I saw some people ripping on this on Twitter, and it was most people, most obviously non-Americans. Um, the fact that the the, um, the American anthem is played before games, like it's it's just, that's how it's done in the U.S. at sporting events. We play our anthem. Oh, of course. Like deal with it, folks. That's just how it is. We're proud. We're Americans. This is what we do. You know, we do our anthems. You know, we we're rescuing people on trains in France. We're doing, we're doing all Dude, like that. That story is wild. Unbelievable. I love Unbelievable. how they were in uh, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. I love that part. Well, that's the yeah. They're they're heroes and they're Euro snobs. So that, <laughs> I'm sure all I'm sure MLS. I'm sure somewhere Don Garber is looking at that and cringing like, why, why, why couldn't he have a a Red Bulls jersey or a LA Galaxy jersey? The one guy had the had, Thomas Muller Bayern Munich jersey, and uh, 
you know, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but the the, the uh, stone, uh, like the lead guy in the whole thing, like he there was a picture of him in the in a Barcelona polo. Uh, Which that was a uh, clean looking that polo. That polo looked pretty nice. I, I, I don't know about the top button thing. I'm, I'm kind of anti top button, but I don't know if that's what necessarily what he was wearing when he when he went after the guy. So we don't know that for a fact. But either way, it's great to see. First of all, amazing story. And everyone should, all Americans should feel proud at, for what those guys did, thwarting a, a, a terrorist attack on a on a train. Uh, but it's, it's, it's definitely cool that hey, these are soccer fans. American yeah, no. soccer fans came to the rescue, so you gotta love that. Look at us. This is uh, no longer we're just talking soccer. This is the SBI Variety Show now. Hey man, covering, it's covering all topics. It's related. We have Americans in soccer jerseys thwarting terrorist attacks on trains in Europe. Wearing soccer jerseys, like, come on, that's 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 totally tied into the show. Actually, I do have one more thing. Since music is a big part of this show, Ivis, we have to get out of the back. Did you see Straight Outta Compton yet? I have not seen it. Oh, I saw it over the weekend. Awesome. Yeah. You gotta see it, man. You gotta see it. Well, here's the thing, right? I I I know the I know all that story. I I knew, like, I followed that story when it happened. Like, I like I. It'll be cool to reminisce and all that, and but I mean, you kind of know what I've read. Like I've read everything there's to read about. It. I know all the backstory. Uh, you never know it's a movie, dude. Guy. They could have changed it for dramatic purposes. You I'm never an know. East Coast guy, so see, um, I'm not gonna get as hyped up about it as you are. No. Now, if, now, now, when they, you know they they already did the notorious Big biopic. If they do, you know, Wu Tang Clan biopic or you know something like that, Nas biopic, you know, maybe then. You know, maybe I'll 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 go see it. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm too busy watching movies with my kids, and they're not really down with Straight Outta Compton, so <laughs> they're, uh, they're not down with. What was the last movie you watched with your kids? Actually, we just saw. Uh, we saw a couple. We've seen a couple of pretty good movies this week. We saw uh, American uh, Ultra, American Ultra, which was not about American. All right, America. all right. That was. I was, <laughs> I was hoping uh, you'd what, say something really lame. It wasn't. A, it was not a movie about American soccer fans. It was. Uh, I forget his name, but it's anyway, the guy from the Facebook movie, right? That's it what was, he's going to be known as forever. All right, all right. Look, we... <laughs> uh, well, hey, I got to give you other movie, Mission Impossible. All right, saw that, pretty good. And I got to say, Ving Rhames, I love Ving Rhames. He needs to be in more stuff. We need to get Ving Rhames on the show just to have him talk because he has the bet. He's one of the top five for me. One of the top five voices in like movies. Like obviously, Morgan Freeman's amazing with his voice. But Ving Rhames, anything Ving Rhames says, and, and anyone who's seen Pulp Fiction, I mean, he's still got that. He's still got that swag. Anything he says just sounds so, like, a million times cooler than anything else anyone else says. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth going to see. Pulp Fiction. Excellent movie. All right, we've talked enough randomness, Ivis. We need to now get into it. The SBS show is about breaking down everything that happened over the last week of soccer in this country, out of this country. As we discussed a little bit earlier in the show, we talked about... LA Galaxy all over New York City FC five to one. Um, I mean, what what is it to say about this game? New York's a mess, and Galaxy are just they're just on another level right now. No, they they are rolling. They are absolutely rolling, and uh, it was nice of MLS and uh, and everybody to, to and the British media, media apparently to trumpet this up and play this up as a matchup of two star studded teams. But it was always really a matchup of the best team in the league. Against a team that's still kind of trying to figure things out, and and it, it we saw that on it was on display on Sunday. NYCFC, to their credit, they started out well. You know, first fifteen twenty, they had the, they had the lion's share of possession. Uh, they put some pressure on LA. They were really on top of LA, but credit yeah. to LA's defense. LA's defense 
uh, stu- withstood that. You know, they they stood uh, AJ Delgarza, Leonardo. I mean, that guy he's playing out of his mind, Leonardo. So I mean, the defense held up well, and then eventually NYCFC tired out. They couldn't keep that possession like they kept in the first 15-20. And as soon as they lost that, as soon as LA started getting more and more possession, mm-hmm. the chances started flowing. And in the first half, it could have they could have blown it open in the first half. But, you know, it, there were a couple of good saves by Saunders. Uh, a couple of – they hit the woodwork, a couple of clearances. Well, it, but it, it, it was, was always going to blow open in the second half. Yeah, and it, 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 just from the perspective, it, I mean, after the first goal, after the second goal, after that, New York City FC just – completely just gave up in the game. I mean, there was no energy on the field. They had their heads down. No one was marking anyone. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, maybe expect a 3-1 if they played hard for 90 minutes. But, I mean, the last couple goals, I mean, it was just New York defenders, they were done. They checked out of the game around the 70th minute. It's, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't buy it. I don't get into this, the hyperbole talk about giving up and all that crap. They wore out. They wore down. When you're chasing the game the way they were chasing the game, when you're having to chase around L.A., when they start knocking it around – you're gonna it's it's gonna wear you out. You're gonna run out of gas, and as soon as you run out of gas, then then you're even more vulnerable. So it was not a case they didn't quit. They didn't all all that. That's all fan hype talk. They came down to it. They wore out. They they wore out. It happens. They wore out in L.A. Put the foot on the gas, and they blew it open. And and, and what a display. I mean, obviously Robbie Keane is Robbie Keane. We know he's he's for me. I know there'll be arguments about Jovinko and all these other, but Robbie Keane is the most valuable player in the league, and, and I, I would say best because he knows the league. He knows his team. He makes everyone around him better. You can definitely argue Javinko does amazing things. Javinko as a one as a player can just is just amazing. But you know what? Robbie Keane just makes everyone around him better in a way that, like, for me, he's just more valuable. So Robbie Keane was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian Lejet, and let, let, let's get it going. Let's get the hype train rolling. So Jurgen Klinsmann needs to call this kid up. Because he has shown so much since he's gotten to the galaxy, he get he's a winger. He can play on the wing. He's got he showed the the skill he showed today was amazing. Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't have a ton of wing options to choose from. Like uh, as far as fresh options, obviously Ethan Finley's a guy we've talked about that he should try to take yep. a look at. But I, for me, I'm I, I'm even more excited about Sebastian Jet. Or if you're a U.S. fan, there's a little bit more to get excited about. Nothing. Ian, Ethan Finley's been great. He 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 had a couple good games this week. Uh, but Legette's his technical quality mm-hmm. is something else, and he's only 22. He turns 23 in a week, but he's so he's still young, and so he's a guy. Seriously, Klinsman needs to take a look at him sooner yes. than later. Uh, but well, yeah, I overall, think all, I mean all Galaxy fans will say that that he's been money since the day he arrived. I mean, he's probably you could say he's probably been the best signing in, for the league this past year. I mean, he's, he's been, he's well, been great, mean, man. Shvinko was signed this year, so I mean, okay, okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Minus the eight oh, high full pile then, then you get the next year yeah. i would say the best non-dp signing yeah thank you, uh, um, you and, and, definitely... and another thing i'm not saying new york quit i'm not saying that i'm just saying that you could tell as the game went on it was very you said they stopped trying so well, that's kind of did quit. i say that oh, maybe okay, i didn't mean that <laughs> no well you know it uh, yeah i mean they pretty the much effort had, wasn't there they had they, a little hope you know yes. what they had a little hope at the end when, when when Bruce Arena put in Dan Gargan, that gave him a little bit of hope that, because <laughs> that's clearly a conspiracy thing by the league to bring in Dan Gargan so New York would at least have a goal. You've had you've single-handedly ruined Dan Gargan's career. I, know. I want you to know. I want you to know that he's I on the know. bench now. Ever since I said that, he doesn't play. He's cursing out his teammates. I don't know if you saw there was a gif of of him, you know, dropping f bombs at Omar Gonzalez. You know, I don't know what he said to him. I don't know if Omar said, "Hey, stop." Drawing penalties, but uh, but yeah, whatever it is. But look, LA—they're playing great, man. Their attack is rolling. Their defense. 
I mean, who would have had Leonardo being the best defender on that team? And he's been right there. He's playing out of his mind. AJ Del Garza today, for me, he really impressed me today. Because in that in that 15, 20 minutes when New York City had that kind of – they had this, you know, the, the run of the game early on, uh, Del Garza was shutting everything down. He, he you couldn't get you couldn't beat him. Uh, and if, if their if their defense can be that solid, how do you how do you beat these guys? How does anyone? No one in the league is going to beat these guys. And I know people in Vancouver will say, "Oh well, we can beat them." And I know Seattle will say that. Well, maybe they won't say it after this weekend, but um, I don't see anyone beat them. I really don't. I mean, maybe in one game, but I'm talking about when it comes down to MLS Cup. It's LA. They're the favorites, and then there's everybody else. Yes. Well, let's just say let's just say for example, Vancouver's hosting the game. Eh, look, man, that's Vancouver, Vancouver's a tough place. That's a tough place to win, man. They're a young team. They're a young team. They haven't really been through the battles of the playoffs, two game series, that experience being in the Cup final. LA has been through all I that. Know, I been know. They've done that. They're, 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 I'm sorry, man. You you can look if they play each other in the playoffs. We'll bet on that game. I'll give you. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, if, I'm saying if Vancouver's home, uh, BC Place is a tough place to win. Why would they be home? It's two games, two two leg series. Oh, I, oh I'm thinking. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. I'm thinking one game like a final. I'm sorry. I'm thinking like a, a one game there. off. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Get there first, right? They that's right. Get there. And, and and look, I'm not I'm not gonna knock. Look, Carl Robinson's done an amazing job. They're playing really well. Um, I just think they're at their ceiling right now. I don't think we're gonna see better from Vancouver than we're seeing right now. They're playing well. They're playing great. But for me, I think LA is not even at their peak yet, and I think they're already better than Vancouver. And I think Seattle, even though as bad as they looked against RSL, and I think they had the emotional letdown from the Champions League win in the middle of the week, the the stirring too late goal comeback. Yeah. Once Seattle gets Clint Dempsey back, once they get Osvaldo Alonso back, assuming Alonso can, you know, he comes back and he's, you know, he's healthy. I mean, he's been out for a while. If once they get Alonso and Dempsey back, I mean, that's you're talking a huge. I mean, that team with the with the depth that they've added, <clears throat> they're gonna they're gonna be a beast. So for me, I, I still say, as as well as Vancouver's playing, I, I still the playoffs are a different animal. Regular season, regular season. Vancouver's been great regular season. Playoff time though, still money's still on LA. Okay, well, well, speaking of the Vancouver Whitecaps, they at home defeated FC Dallas this past weekend. That's a huge win for them because one, they keep pace with the LA Galaxy, um, and Vancouver man, I was still taking care of business too. It's, I mean, they are a very da- at home a very dangerous team on the road. Still things to work out, but at home, I mean, they, they ha- always almost are the favorites at home every time they play. They're a good team. Very good team. Playing really well. Kendall Waston, he's he's a beast right now. He's uh you know, I think right now if you're looking at if you put your, if you're putting together your best eleven for the year, he's on it. He's been outstanding. And then how about Tichera, man? The little man. The little guy has been a beast for them. He's really uh, you know, stepped up in some key moments for them. He's done I think he's done well. And obviously Kakuda Mane is maturing. He's yeah. really coming into his own. So uh but yeah no they took it to FC Dallas it's it's happening again the little kind of late season second half of the season the final third of the season they'll start to dip um and I think that's happening I don't I don't think Dallas is is going to be one of those top 4 teams in the west I think they're going to kind of fade a bit but credit to Vancouver like you said they're playing really really well uh and you know what you, when you look back that loss to Sporting KC the one where they 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 blew a two goal lead and lost 4-3 I think as bad as that was, I mean that's that's a learning experience for them. That's a, you know they, mm-hmm. they 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 learned you know they learned a harsh lesson there about 
how to put a game away. And I think that's going to serve them well in terms of gaining experience, because as I said before, this is a young team. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. How they, we'll see if they can keep it going. I'm, I'm still of the belief that I feel like they are peaking. They are peaking right now. But you want to be peaking in the come around the playoffs. You don't be peaking, peaking in Yeah, it's August. a little too early to be peaking. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, you did mention it, though. Kukutamine, I just got to say, man, his development over the last couple years has just been great to see. I mean, for a young player like that to be in Major League Soccer and now to be where he's at, it's seeing that development is a huge positive just for Vancouver Whitecaps. No, it's, I mean, it's been great. I mean, when he obviously when he came into the league, you know, the, the talent was there, right? You, you, you looked at him and you said... This kid has something. Yeah, yeah but but you always wonder how. He scored a couple big goals when he first came up. Right, and you always wonder how that's going to come along. Uh, how long is it going to take him to develop? I mean, the kid is twenty years old. I mean, I he's still only twenty. He turns twenty-one later in the year. Um, but it's crazy to think how far how far he's already come. And I mean, when you look at, I mean, he, he and again, this is where when you look at this Vancouver team, I really think like this this if they can keep that team together. This is going to be that growing pains year, that year where they learn some lessons. They lose in, they lose the series in the playoffs. They lose to LA or Seattle, but then next year, you get Kakuta Mane. I think really being a breakout player, being a best eleven, like next next year is really going to. I think it'll be that year. I think they could really, really put it together next year. And still keeping it in the Western Conference, Real Salt Lake at home defeated the Seattle Sounders 2-0. to zero. I was, You cannot describe how big of a win this was for Real Salt Lake. It keeps them in the playoff picture. Um, to beat the team ahead of them, also, that's huge. I mean, this was a massive result for Real Salt Lake against Seattle. No, it was a big win. It was a big win. And credit to them. They played well. Um, and it's funny you say, why do you even have to say it? They won 2-0. Of course they played well, but... To be fair, like the the goals that ended up being scored, there were there were some fortuitous plays. I mean, the first one was the a PK, handball. PK was <laughs> the handball was it was unfortunate handball on a. Uh, it took like it took like three deflections along the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was all that, but Maybe I just it wasn't think that. It was, but it was, it was just, just an yeah. awkward. It was an awkward play, right? It wasn't a case where he saw a ball heading toward the net and he tried to put his hand out. It just it, it was unfortunate. It, whatever, early unfortunate goal for them. They're down one zero, and then not even however many minutes later, you get a, a shot off the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And credit to Sebastian Jaime, he beats the Seattle defenders to the ball, uh, heads it in, and and they're in the and and they're up two nil. Uh, but here's the thing: even they're up two nil, it's not like they sat back and and kind of sat on the lead. They really kept kept going at uh, Seattle. And when you look at the stats at the end of the game, they dominated possession, they dominated the chances. Seattle really was flat, and you kind of ask yourself, how did how did how does this team that destroyed Orlando City uh, come out so flat? And I think part of it, I think part of it is that midweek game against CD Olympia, Concacaf Champions League. For those who missed it, they were down a goal at home, a big game. That if they lose that game, I mean that's a huge blow for them in their Champions League yep. hopes. They rally with two late goals. Brad Evans with a with a huge with a you know they get a penalty call in stoppage time what yes an MLS team actually got a call in their favor <laughs> in a in Concacaf in a Concacaf Champions League uh, in late in stoppage time Brad and and Brad Evans scores the penalty uh, and then he talks a little trash because obviously before the penalty you know the the, the Olympia players were protesting and were trying to delay they were trying to distract them and I'll give Brad Evans all the credit in the world because even all the everything they tried to do to distract them. All the gamesmanship, all, all moving the ball, and all that. Like he shook all that off, and he blasted. 
he converted that penalty. Uh, and I got I I, I might have ribbed him a little on Twitter and, and said that we didn't need the trash talk. And I still feel that way. I don't feel you need the trash talk. You're the captain of your team. Have a little bit more poise. But having said all that, I can understand from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, you caught up in the moment, man. Right. And, and, and so I get I get it, but I just like for me, I just think like, oh, you know what? It wasn't needed. You're the captain. You're 30 something years old. Like you should you're 30 years old, 29, 30. Like you should be able to handle this a little bit better. But it wasn't it wasn't a huge crime, but I just think because for me it's like that thing could have gotten ugly there, right? He talks okay. trash to the keeper and then and there was a whole brouhaha after that. There was shoving match the whole nine. That like situations like that, you don't need to inflame them. Like convert the penalty, run off, celebrate with your fans, don't talk trash to the goalkeeper. I don't care what happened before that. I thought that was a little unfortunate, but still. Huge like balls of steel from Brad Evans, yeah, converting that penalty, and I think that was an they had a bit of an emotional letdown going to RSL uh, off of that, and then RSL played them off the park. RSL came to play. I'm not taking anything away from RSL. RSL came to play. I thought Luis Silva did well for them. Obviously, Beckham did well. Morales, like they they, they showed like it's crazy. They're like in ninth place in the West, and they're such a good team. If they were in the East, they'd be in the playoffs. They're only three um, points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, but I still don't. I, I'm see just it. saying, but I, that that's still how tight it is. It is. I and mean, I, yeah, that's and why this win for Real Lake was so big. You lose this game, okay, Seattle's on 38 points, and it's like, okay, it's. I mean, that's a huge mountain to climb. But for Real Salt Lake, I mean, you could build a lot off of this win right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not gonna. Put I know. Them I'm, in the I'm playoffs, just. I know. It, it it was a win they needed, and you know what? Hey, if they can keep playing at that level. Then uh, you know who's to say they can't they can't get back in this in, in this race. One other thing though about the um, the midweek game for Seattle in the uh, Concacaf Champions League, they, if Seattle converted their chances though in that game, it would have been ten zero for them. They wouldn't have had to have that dramatic comeback. I think that played. I mean, I, I don't want to pretend like I'm was there bad Evans, but I mean, you have to. I mean, the frustration level for Seattle in that game. I mean, it had been so high at the end of the game. I mean, they dominated the entire match. I mean, it should have been at least at least three four zero. That's how these so that a lot of they these games happen like that. I mean, a Concacaf, you know, you you don't make your chances, and things can get really difficult. And and credit to them, they stayed the course. Ziggy Schmidt made some subs uh, later in the game. Obviously, they look they played a young team. Let's not let's not ignore that fact. They they did start out with a pretty young, very young team. Uh, had a lot of starters on the bench. They put some guys in later on. Um, but you know what? I think Seattle's going to be fine. And I know some people. I tell you what, I gotta point this out. This is hilarious. I found this hilarious. So and I think I might even talk about the last show, but it was amazing to me how people just did not want to buy into or did not want to admit or acknowledge or accept the idea that Seattle was was rising from the ashes and ready to be a power again <laughs> uh, after that win in, in Orlando. And it, it, it is funny uh, that whole you know there's whole that whole idea about everyone hates Seattle, right? Everyone outside of Seattle hates Seattle, um, but there's certainly a lot of people who do not want them to do well. Um, because let's face it, their fans are you know their their fans let you every, know. There's when, always one team that everyone has to hate. That's Seattle. And Seattle's is pretty high at the top of that list. But uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I thought I thought it was funny, but then you know they lose this game, and I'm sure people are like ah, see, they're not back. They're not gonna they, 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 listen, folks. Sleep on Seattle if you want. Go right ahead. They don't. They still don't have Dempsey. They still don't have Alonzo. And I know they added these other guys who should help them, right? But Dempsey is one of the best players in the league, hands down. Alonzo, arguably the best defensive midfielder in the league. You put you plug those two guys in that lineup, they are going to be a powerhouse. And they have a tough schedule to close out the, the season. And I tell you what, we're going to see some games from them. And I don't know how long it's going to take Dempsey and Alonzo to get back. But when they do come back, they're going to have plenty of opportunity 
to show that this is still the Seattle Sounders and this is a powerhouse Seattle team. Obviously, they play Portland next. They play Toronto after that. They play surging San Jose after that. And then guess what? Yeah, they get Vancouver. No, they get Vancouver on September 19th. That's going to be a hell of a match. Uh, then you get KCLA, Houston, RSA, you know, they close out, whatever. But th- that stretch of games, Vancouver, KC, uh, LA, I mean, th- those are going to be some amazing game to watch. And I, and I put I put together on Gold.com last week, like, top 10 remaining games to watch. Mm-hmm. And Seattle did have a bunch, had, had four of them on that list. And, uh, you know, those are really going to tell the tale because if, if, if they get healthy, I think they can beat anybody. And when you talk about teams that have had great weeks, you have to now list the San Jose Earthquakes on that list in the history of Major League Soccer. Ivis, they capped off a very impressive weekend of action after defeating Sporting Kansas City early in the week. They defeated D.C. United this past weekend on the road 2-1. to one. San Jose thrusted themselves back in the playoff picture. And huge result on the road against D.C. United. Big win, big win. And a big week for them. I mean, they go to, they go, they go to Kansas City. Uh, a very tough place to play, and they absolutely demolish Sporting Kansas City. No one saw it coming, 5-0. Nope. Uh, and I do think, again, talking about emotional letdowns, it happens, folks, it happens. Let's not forget, Sporting Kansas City rallying back from 3-1 down to beat Vancouver 4-3. Uh, I just don't think they came I came. They came out flat. They came out flat against San Jose, and, and the Earthquakes took it. To, they were all over them, destroyed them. The DC game was a little different. I mean, they they, they, DC, had, they took DC missed a lot of chances in the game. Yeah, DC had had more of the chances, but you know what? Credit to San Jose, they took their chances well. They, they made them count, and they, and they defended well. So uh, that's two good wins for them. And and I think this the situations were definitely worked out in their favor for them because, like I said, I mean, Sporting KC motion let down off of that win, and then DC United is not in a great run of form, mind you. I mean, I know they had a three game winning streak. Only recently, but they're 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 a funny team. You know, they're coming off three one loss to NYCFC, and now they're finding they're in a little bit of a slump. Now they're in a little bit of a slump. Not they're not in their top form, uh, but we're gonna see what San Jose really is about now that they play a red hot LA team. And we know that this that when these teams get into it, you never can just assume things because no. this rivalry is funny. It's funny that way. Um, and the last time they played, San Jose took it to them. San Jose beat them three one. Uh, uh, this is only what two months ago, two months ago, back in June, San Jose, uh, uh, uh handled them pretty well. Um, and I think it's not going to be an easy one. I, I still like LA. I think LA just the way they're playing right now. Uh, I, even though it's in Seattle, even though it's in San Jose, I think you, I, I like LA's chances, but San Jose, they're right back in the playoff race. Uh, I still, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they catch any of the top six, but they're definitely going to make things interesting. Well, one thing, Ivis, that has worked for San Jose over the last couple of weeks has been the signing of uh, Anibal Godoy. I mean, he's been huge for them just in the midfield, creating space, which has benefited someone like Quincy Ameriqua, who's had now had a couple goals. But Godoy, I mean, huge signing for San Jose. He's done well. He's done well. He definitely he was excellent against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, he was one of the better players for them in the middle. Uh, and he's done a good job. I mean, I think him him and the rookie, Fatai Alashi, uh, have, have developed a good partnership. And they're just really tough to play. They're really tough to play through the middle. Uh, you know, when you look at trying to create and, and really get at their defense. I mean, Bernard isn't Goodson, as it is, is a pretty solid uh, center back tandem. But then when you have to deal with Alashi and Godoy, uh, two strong central midfielders who don't make it easy, they're tough to play against uh, defensively. As far as the attack, Godoy has shown he can get into the attack as well. 
Uh, he's been a, he's been a good signer for them. Absolutely been a good pickup. But the, the guy and talk about good pickups, Quincy Amariqua. Now here's a guy who I, I mean I still don't know how like I mean I obviously Chicago's got a, a train load of forwards and it got a little crowded there. But uh, Quincy Amariqua, the guy is a pain in the ass. He makes defenses work really hard. He's getting into you, drawing fouls. He's just very he's he's a, he's a lot like Stephen Lenhart. You know he's a lot funny enough like. Uh, Lenhart's not Just really in the, the hair. Mix. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's very similar. He draws he draw he draws a lot of contact. There was that red card he drew against Benny Thelhaber in the middle of the week. Um, he makes things happen, and and I think he is so such a disruptive force. He's not like your classically gifted forward, but he he's difficult to play against, and that causes problems for defenses, mm-hmm. and it allows Wondolowski to get open, and it gives him a little room to operate. So I think I think excellent pickup. By San Jose, I he, think he's I think done good well. Boy he's, and he's had, he's, Quincy has had four goals and three assists. Granted, San Jose lost the first couple games with him, but man, last three games. So now he's Quincy. You're just not even going to try to say his last name, are you? No, oh, sorry, so Quincy <laughs> Ameriqua. My apologies, <laughs> Ivis. Also, I, I keep know, saying I don't know you guys boys. You're on first name. I'm boys with everyone. Also, I keep saying huge on this show. So tell me to shut up every time I say it was huge. I don't know why I keep saying that. Yeah. If you're listening to the show, you're probably like yeah, Garrett. Good shut good up. Good I do acknowledge it. Signing and I. I think you, you might have overstated it a little bit. I don't think they're going to win. No, uh, but it's been, it's been a very quality, quality, quality signing. Three times. Three quality, three times. Ivis. Uh, moving over to the Eastern Conference. Columbus Crew at home. Comeback victory for them against Sporting Kansas City, who uh, Sporting Kansas City would just love to race this week from their memory. Um, but for Columbus, great win at home. No, big win. Big win for them. And Ethan Villy, man. Keeps getting it done. Finley and Kamara rinse repeat. You think people would get, get figure it out? You know they that you can't you can't let these guys combine and do their thing. Um, they're playing well, and the crew the crew are, are coming along. They're starting to climb. Uh, they're actually only a point back of the Red Bulls now uh, for second place in the East, and it's been a different team with Will Trap in there. I think Will Trap's done well. I think some of their signings have looked really good for them. Uh, Har- uh, Harrison Afool, the, the the Ghanaian right back. I, I think he's looked good. Uh, Cedric Mabwati coming off the bench uh, a couple of times has shown some some stuff. And how about Jack McInerney? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Jack McInerney, you know, he's coming off the bench for them and makes things happen. He, he's in the play, right place, right time, and scores the winner for them. Big, big goal for them. And Columbus Crew, folks, if you uh, if you wrote them off early, you might you might end up regretting that because if they get the defense together, uh, if their defense can, you know can get if they stabilize. They, they've added now Gastasaro, the, the the center, the big center back, who's finally joined them now. If he ends up being an upgrade there in their defense, then yeah, man, the crew are right back in that conversation. I think it's also safe to say, Ivis, that Kansas City these these last couple games for them have it's it's nothing to panic over, right? Yeah, no, I think it's just a uh, tough week. It was a tough week, man. They, they had, I think the San Jose game was was a classic example of an emotional letdown and going up against a team that was really, really committed to, and really desperate for, for a result. And, you know, credit to San Jose, they took it to them. Then you go on the road and you play a very good Columbus team in, in a game that could have gotten either way. It was a good back-and-forth affair. Um, but, you know what, they, 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 they fell short. I think Casey's going to be okay. But this is where it goes back to what I always talk about. I always say you can't assume points from games in hand. You can't sit there and just because your team has a high points per game average and they've got a handful of games that it's going to be easy to keep maintaining the same high points per game. It's because, you know what, when you have those extra games in hand, 
you end up having to play a more a congested schedule, and that ends up leading to fatigue, and you end up not being able to be at your maximum ability as a club, as a team, for all those games. So it's almost inevitable. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times through the years. Teams that have games in hand, and their fans are all like cocky, like ah, we got games in hand. Look at our record. And now when we we, we play these games, you're going to get those points. It's like money in the bank, and it's not, folks. It's Nothing's not. Guaranteed. You still have to play the games. And more often than not, those teams that have too many extra games, they wear down. They wear down later in the season. And I think, look, Casey's got some good depth. Uh, although, you know, from my understanding, Amobi Okugo has got, he's got a pretty serious injury that where he's going to be out for a bit. Uh, that'll hurt him a little bit. But you know what? I think Peter Ramiz will figure things out. He'll get that depth. He'll get that rotation going. And they'll be okay. But uh, it does raise some questions about, you know, where do they stand in the pecking order when you want to talk about title contenders, uh, I think they fall. They have, even though they just beat Vancouver. Funny how quick thing, quickly things change. They just beat Vancouver like a week ago. But now, when you look at them and you look at Vancouver and you look at the way Vancouver has been cons- playing at a consistent level, you kind of like Vancouver's chances more than you like KC's, at least right now. And up in Canada, Philadelphia walked away with three points after defeating the Montreal Impact 1-0. And Ivis Philadelphia is now one point out of the Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean, both team, both leagues coming down to the wire for Philadelphia. I mean, big result for them. Absolutely, man. And it's crazy when you think about, and I know Union fans are going to kick them. They're going to like hate, hate even thinking about it. But think about all the points they've dropped. All those matches where they, like just a week ago to Chicago, they had three points in the bag. And they give up the late goal, and yes, I know there was a handball, blah blah blah, whatever. They put them, they they didn't do themselves any favors even with the handball. Um, but they're still in it, man. They're still in the conversation. It's not going to be easy, uh, and it, they're more likely not to make it than make it. But you know what? That team's got some ability. They got some talent to go up to Montreal and win up there. Not easy by any means. Uh, Montreal's a good team, and you look at the, the talent that Montreal. Put on the field there. They have Justin Matt back. They have Oyango playing right back now. He's settling in. Drogba made his debut. You know Drogba's going to give you some quality once he's settled in, and he's you know he can he can be a starter for you. Uh, I like that team, man. I like Montreal. I like that as a team. And it's funny, I got so much flack from 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 some uh, Montreal Impact fans because I didn't put I didn't include them in my list of play uh, of MLS Cup contenders. I did a story for Goal.com kind of breaking down the the contenders, right? And obviously I had LA Seattle in their own category. I had Vancouver and KC in the category. I had DC and Red Bulls in the category. And then I kind of had long shots. And then I threw the long shots in there. I had New England. I had Columbus. I had Portland. And and it, But I didn't have Montreal. And so it's, a, you know, so people are like, oh, what are you doing? We have games in hand. We got Drogba. We got blah, blah, And it's like, yes, I like Montreal. I've, I feel like I've liked Montreal more than most since before the season started. I like their additions. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they can make the playoffs. Do I see them winning it all? No, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see that scenario playing out. And I know they have talent. Uh, and I know people are like, oh, well, they got to the Concacaf Champions League. Why can't they get to the MLS? Yeah. I just don't see it, man. I just <laughs> in, in, the, in the East, anything's possible, right? Fine. But for me, when I look, I, I just don't see it. And maybe I'll and I, I'll be glad. I'll gladly be proven wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Frank, I'll, hey, Frank Lopez, I'm, I'm as big a Frank Lopez fan as anybody, uh, and he just, I think he deserves some credit. He's done a good job. Um, but I don't see MLS Cup. I don't see it. Not this year. Um, but but Philly, man, let's see. Let's see what happens with Philly if they can sneak in. I, I still think it's a long shot. I think their best bet for hardware, for silverware this year is that Open Cup. 
And I know no one's giving them a chance against Kansas City, but hey, they're at home. Anything's possible. They're going to be playing a Kansas City team that's playing a ton of games. Don't rule it out, folks. Don't rule it out. Union could absolutely win that Open Cup. Well, the other thing for Montreal, too, is they have the most games in hand. I mean, you look at their schedule. It's like game, two days. Game, three games. Game. And they have a game almost every three, four days coming up here. I mean, that's a tough schedule. It's not going to be easy, That's man. Not it's not going to be easy. And, and, and look, Klopas is going to have have his work cut out for him because you're going to have to rotate players. You can't just trot out at 11 every three days and, and not have them wear down. Um, and so their depth is going to be tested. And I, and I know they've got some guys back. Um, you know, obviously, Justin Mapp having him back is huge. Uh, and they've got, they've got talent on that team, but I don't know. that that, that That's going to hurt them. I think all those games uh, is going to eventually wear on them. And I think that because of that, I think they could fall short. I still, I still think they'll get in. I think they'll squeeze their way in. And NYCFC kind of not looking the part, and Orlando City really kind of falling apart is going to kind of open that door for them. But I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know how far Montreal is going to go this year. Toronto FC at home takes care of business all over Orlando City. It did take them some time after they were up a man for a while, but they scored the goals, defeated Orlando five to zero. And uh, and look, you gotta say, or if you're Orlando Ivis, you gotta be thanking New York City FC for having just a horrible game too. I mean, both franchises horrible weeks for Toronto though. Great result for them. Oh, it, it was a game they needed, and uh, you know it has to be said. Coming off of their last game, their lo- they lost to the Red Bulls. You know, Giovinco was not happy. He was very frustrated. Didn't feel like he was getting the support he needed. And and what do you have? You come out here. Michael Bradley has himself a game. Michael Bradley was outstanding. Yes, he was. Uh, for my money, he was man of the match uh, in this game. And then you have Josie Altador come on and uh, you know get himself uh, get himself a couple goals. So that, that that's that's a big confidence booster yeah. for him. And and it's what <laughs> no, I'm sure Orlando City fans are gonna hate me, but it's like this is two this is two weeks now uh, where <laughs> they uh, uh, they faced a team. They faced a big money team that needed needed a win to kind of break a slump, and what they and they got it Seattle, and now TFC. So like Orlando City's name, they're gonna their new nickname is gonna be the Slump Busters pretty soon if they don't if they don't start turning this around. It's unfortunate. <laughs> They've had a ton of injuries. It has to be said. I mean, obviously, Molino losing Molino early in the year. They haven't had Shea for for a long time now. Uh, you know, they, they're missing a few other guys this weekend. So we we know we know right. They, they, it's it's gonna be tough for them. Um, right now they're in eighth place. Uh, six, they're, they're, they're actually, you know, it, it's pretty jammed for that sixth spot, but Montreal's got four games in hand on them. So I, I don't, I don't see Orlando city catching Montreal. Uh, I don't know about NYCFC either. Um, but rough year, Montreal, rough year Montreal has to win those games though. No, right. But the, here, here's, here's where, where I would, I, I'm a big believer in, in, Teams that have high points per game not being able to maintain that. Montreal's points per game is not that high. No, that's the thing. It's that's barely over one. Right. So I, I don't. They don't have to win all those games. They just have to get the points. They, exactly. If they can get a point here or there, if they can get out of those four extra games, if they get like six total points or, or five total, that's still all of a sudden you're. They, they, that's the lead they're going to have on these other teams. So. They don't have to go out and, and, and win three out of four or, or all four. They can win one or two, and, and and that's giving them a nice boost. And they've also added quite a bit of talent there. I mean, they, Venegas looks good. The Costa Rican, obviously Drogba, getting Justin Mapp back is like adding yes. a player. So so it's a little different because they, they not only have the games in hand, 
but they're they're getting an infusion of of, of talent. So I think from that standpoint, I, I don't know if Montreal's gonna necessarily fall apart. I think they're gonna get in. I think they're gonna, I think they're when you look at the teams that are there, uh, unless Philadelphia really puts on a run, or unless NYC finally sorts out its defense, Frank Lampard finally gets healthy, maybe NYCFC. But uh, if you ask me who I'm putting my money on for that last playoff spot, I'm going to go Montreal. What about Chicago, man? They're only five points out. Uh, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Frank Yallop. <laughs> Frank Yallop. Uh, I don't know how long he's got. I don't know how long he's got. And, I, hey, I got to bring it up. I wrote, so I wrote a story for Gold uh, last week on the fact that there has yet to be a coach fired this year. MLS. We are almost in September. No coaches fired. No coaches have quit. 20 for 20. And it's crazy. I'm sorry, folks, but that's crazy. And I, I I'm and, and I said it I said it on Twitter actually. I, I'm if, if as far as writers and everything concerned, I'm probably more more lenient on coaches than most because like I I, I do feel like you want to give a coach some time. But having said that, 20 for 20? How does that happen? How do you get 20? And I know there's all kinds of people, and I know people have all kinds of explanations for it or all kinds of reasoning. Oh, there's no pro-rel. If there was pro-rel, these coaches would feel the heat, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know if I buy that. I mean, I that's, don't think that's it's true a little bit. There's a little there's, some there's some that, truth. There is some truth reason. into that's that. Not, no, it, 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 it's not a lot, I mean, but there is a little. I think there's, I think it's, it's lethargy. I think there's lethargy in the ownership. I think teams would rather like just play it right out a year uh then make a make a tough decision in the middle of a season and i i had someone say it to me on, on twitter like oh you know why should they fire the coach now it's not going to make a difference and i i don't buy that i mean if you look at the history of the league you've there've been coaches who took over during the season that did they're right i mean I, the, 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 several coaches that have have stepped in uh turned around made some things happen and it also allows them to build into the next year um and and it's just crazy to me i mean Frank Yallop. I mean, the guy was given carte blanche this uh, this offseason to rebuild that team. He got rid of everybody. He got rid of almost everybody. I think Mike, like what Mike McGee, Nyako, Sean Johnson, Harrison, Harry Ship. There might have been five, six guys, right? And then he got rid of everybody else. Signed all new guys: Jovan Jones, Zibbo Anike, Sean Maloney, who apparently yeah, already Maloney's leaving. Already, he's not even he's there already leaving. <laughs> Sean already leaving. Jovan Jones. Uh, like that, you know, totally new team, and they're in last place in the east. They're in last place, and I said it in our preview show, Eastern Conference preview show. If it's we get to the summer and the fire are still not getting it done, how does he keep his job? And here we are, how is he keeping his job? You know, and, and I got nothing against y'all, he's a great guy, he's had success in the league before, but results should matter, results should absolutely matter. And you know what it comes down to? Chicago Fire, Andrew Houtman, their owner, he's got money. He bought the team. He he occasionally will show his willingness to spend it. But does he know how to really run a team? I don't see it, and I have never seen it. I mean, I was ripping this guy six years ago, seven years ago, for decisions that he made. And he's and he he still hasn't shown himself to be a competent owner. So th- this is the this is what happens. You get a situation with this team that is kind of just floating along in a big market and they're wasting away they're, they're wasting away uh, and because what happened because the ownership group they don't they don't make it they don't make a move they don't make a decision Colorado with Pablo Mastrani 
we know when they hired Pablo Mastrani, the guy doesn't have much experience. They're going to have to ride ride with him a bit, let him have his growing pains. But here we are. We're almost we're into toward the tail end of the second year of the Pablo Mastrani experiment. Team is still not. It's not looking any better than it was last. They're not year. looking good, man. They're not looking good. They don't play attractive soccer. They they they're one of the worst teams in the league. They just beat the fire. <laughs> you know that's in a battle of last place teams, but they're still a last place team. How do you have these last place teams, and their coaches still have jobs? And it hasn't been the first year. I'm all for giving a coach more than a year, but if we're well into a second season for both these guys, and the teams still look a mess, what are you doing? It's crazy to me, man. Maybe, I mean, look, maybe they don't want to pay the buyout, Ivis. Well, I mean, I don't think Pablo's. I don't think Mastroni is making that much. I don't be honest with you. And, and I do think yet yeah, part of it is in Chicago is. From what I understand, Frank Gallup has a really good relationship with Houtman. And Houtman, you know, I think they, they, they developed a relationship before he hired him. He, he, he kind of worked with him, consulted him, and then he ended up taking a job. Um, I, it's just crazy to me. How do you have this many teams? Uh, no, none of them have made a coaching change. And how insane is it that the last coach to be fired was Mike Petke? Mike Petke. <laughs> You're telling me this guy can't like there's not a single team in his league that could that, that couldn't you know do maybe do better with Mike Pecky in charge and I and look I know looking at it now not many people will 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 still argue about the Pecky decision because the Red Bulls have, have have come away looking pretty smart in that decision they wanted to rebuild they thought Jesse Marsh was better for their rebuilding efforts and Marsh has done an outstanding job so no one's really talking about that anymore but what I find amazing is in the NASL. You have Thomas Rongen, who did excellently in the spring, took Tampa Bay to second in the spring, second to to, to the Cosmos, the big spending Cosmos, and he he doesn't even make it through the fall season. He gets fired. Thomas Rongen got fired. Probably one of the, the, the most popular, if not the second most popular coach in NASL, uh, Twitter genius that he is, gets fired because, you know what, Tampa Bay has a rich owner. Who decided? You know what? I've seen enough. We've lost five of six, or whatever it is. I need to make a decision. He fires the coach. He fires the GM. I happen to disagree with these decisions. I think he made a mistake. I think he pulled the trigger way too soon. I think I think Tampa Bay is doomed to fail now. I think they're going to completely collapse. But having said that, at least the guy made a decision. MLS. No one seems to want to make a decision. No one wants to make the tough decision on these coaches. And I think it hurts the league, man. I think it hurts the league when you have when you have co- when there's just like no pressure. Where's the pressure on these coaches? Doesn't seem like there is any. Well, look with with the way that Colorado went about hiring uh, Pablo Mastroeni, what a week before the season started. I mean, I, I think that organization is inept enough to not even really kind of know what's going on just based off that situation right there. I mean, so Pablo will probably be there till the end of the season. No, I think now. I mean, we're almost in September, so. I don't know who's gonna. I don't know if they're gonna see any changes, but I think I think there's definitely some teams that if they, you know they had made moves in in July, early mid to early July, you could you could have really made an impact. But now I think we're kind of, you know, we've the ships kind of sailed a bit on these. But it's just interesting to me. And and I, I don't, I'm not saying we should have the other extreme, uh, like in Europe where you know you have a bad three games, you're out. You know, it doesn't matter what you did before that. Like it's it's crazy. Or Brazil, where you know coaches get fired for like a bad game. It's a you know, or Mexico, Mexico. There's a lot of big coaching carousel down in Mexico. But I just think there there needs to be a medium, happy medium, where coaches are held accountable. Coaches do have some pressure to succeed. And it's funny, man. They, I mean, there are 
there are, not to say there's no pressure. I mean, like think about Siggy Schmidt. He's got to be feeling some pressure in Seattle. And, and and there's definitely fans there that are not happy with him that feel like, you know, yeah. with the resources that they've had, they should have an MLS, MLS Cup by now. And right now, I'd say coming into this postseason, he's going to have that pressure to win an MLS Cup. And there's no guarantee if he doesn't get if he doesn't win an MLS Cup this year, um, there's no guarantee Siggy Schmidt will be back. So. Uh, I think but there I feel, will but, be, but I feel like that's with with Ziggy Schmidt, That's kind of been there. For, I don't say it's been there for a long time, but there's always been that kind of like look, Seattle needs to eventually win the cup here. That's the well, expectation. Last, last year, I feel like it, it was really like yeah. Last year was the first year where that's it was nothing real new. That's nothing new. No, but last year was the first year it was a real tangible thing, and now it's it, it's time to pay the bill. It's time like okay, he's got to win now. We just spent a ton of money in the summer, went and got all these guys. The the, the team is stocked. And loaded for bear. Let's see what he can do. And 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 I'm not saying like he should go, but there is that pressure. And I think if he doesn't, if they don't win, he he could absolutely be gone. And it's kind of unfair in a way because the guy's done excellently. It's not his fault that the LA the Galaxy are such geniuses at this whole thing. And and Bruce Arena's just amazing, done an amazing job again building a powerhouse. So I don't know. I, I just think there needs to be some some somewhere something in between. Um, the fact that twenty that we're twenty for twenty is just—I just think it's insane. I think it's insane, and I think there are candidates out there who who could who could do a good job. I mean, hey, Dennis Hamlet, who's an assistant with the Red Bulls, the fire dumped him, and have never really done anything since then. So I mean, he's somebody that comes to mind. Uh, you know, Thomas Rongan's available now. I don't know if any MLS teams are, are ready to deal with his Twitter his Twitter uh, craziness. Um, but I don't know, man. I just would like to see. Coaches have some real accountability, and I don't well, feel like they're. I don't feel like we're seeing that right now. Look, and and, and we moved away, and I, and I wanted to say this, and I found, you know, sorry, and I, and I hate to bring something up old that we just talked about, but I, when the Chicago Fire announced that they hired Frank Gallup, I found that confusing. I was, he's a guy who, when you talk about leniency, look, he, he was a great coach for San Jose quite some time ago, but you look at the last thing he had with San Jose before the fire, San Jose made the playoffs one time. Before they were the Galaxy, he didn't do much there. I mean, that's he's a guy who keeps getting opportunities, which. I mean, he hasn't delivered since 2001, 2003. That's 12 years ago. He hasn't delivered, and he hasn't delivered 12 since he years had ago. That's something else that, that you know you got to look at. He hasn't really He hasn't really done well without Dom Kinnear uh, next to him on the bench. So you know, not to go picking on Yallop a ton. No, but, I'm not. But I'm just. Sa- but I'm saying you, the leash is long. I mean, there's evidence right there. I mean, part of it's also a lot of teams are going with young coaches. A lot of teams are looking at at how some young coaches have succeeded and how some coaches have, have managed to navigate through tough times. I mean, you look at DC United when they had their awful year and then they bounced right back last year and did well um, with Ben Olsen. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is, but I just think it's, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy that, that if we go through an entire year without a single coach, uh, if all, if the same 20 coaches finish the year that start the year, that I wonder. I'm gonna wonder what that says, and and if that does happen, I'd be very curious to see how many coaches actually get the boot for at that point. Because I think yes, I think you'll. I think I think Yallop's gone. He's got to be right. He can't be back. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> right. Uh, I think Mastroeni. I just don't see the. I mean, I know they just won a game, but if can Colorado really give him a third year? I don't know about that either. Uh, Seattle could very well make a change if if if, if they don't do well in the playoffs. Um, Greg Vanny 
if if TFC doesn't get it, it, you know, if they don't make the playoff, if they don't make the playoff, then he's done. Uh, but even just the playoffs, they needed to do something in the playoffs, I think, for him to keep his job. I mean, they have the highest payroll, if if not the highest, one of the highest payrolls in the league. You got to deliver. You got to deliver. So he he could absolutely go. So, yeah, we could see a ton of, a ton of changes this offseason. But I just think it's crazy that no team have felt that urgency to get, to make a change in the middle of the season. I just think it's surprising to me. All right. Oh, Ivis, we got totally off topic. We were still running down all the games from this past weekend, and somehow we totally moved away from that. A couple games we still need to talk about. Portland, Houston, uh, both teams played to a 2-2 draw. Both teams got to be kicking themselves for missed opportunities. Houston goes up. They should have walked away with three points. Portland finds a way to get back. Portland missed a bunch of opportunities in this one, too. I mean, it seemed fitting that it ended in a draw. But, I mean, both teams had to be severely disappointed with the way this game ended. Well, they, you know, I think Portland, yeah, you don't like dropping points at home. But no. I think to come back from 2-0 down, you, you got to still feel good. You got to still feel good. And, and it, you know, I wrote in the SBI Gamer on this. Normally, the road team getting a point will be happy. And normally, the home team getting a point will be upset. I, I don't know. I think the, I think it was opposite this time around. Because I think if you're Houston and you're struggling to get into the playoff race, and you have three points in your hands, and then you give them away when you're up to zero. That hurts. That hurts point blank. The point, the one point you get, it's not much consolation. And having said that, if you're Portland, you're down two zero, and you can make some changes, and you can have some guys step up, and you can have Lucas Milano, their their big DP signing, step up and deliver for them. Have Darlington Nagby deliver for them. Mm-hmm. I think they got to feel good about it. I, I know, yeah. you know, when it bottom line, it's like, oh, yeah, you, you can't drop points at home. But, hey, Portland, Portland fans can attest. Portland through the in, in last year and this year, like, they've, they've lost games flat out at home uh, where they had a ton of chances. They didn't score. At least they got a point out of it, right? So, I mean, it, it's a glass half full way to look at it. But I think it's a positive for the way they responded. It's a positive for seeing Milano make a big impact for them. I know it was crazy to me that there were already starting to be some rumblings about, oh, is he not that? Is he not as good as they thought? Is he, you know, is he is he a bust? Is he is he just not going to like settle down, people? I, th- I thought that was stupid. I thought it was dumb. The kid was showing flashes. He's going to settle in. He's going to take a little bit of time. He's a young player. He's twenty two. He's going to take some time. But we saw it in this game him really show the qualities that he has, and I think he's going to be big for them in the stretch run. But if you, if you're a Portland man, you need to sort out the mistakes defensively because. I think their defense lets them down a lot. I mean, I know that this year they, they, they've done a good job. They, they posted a, a, a ton of shutouts. But I feel like there have been some games where they, they, their attack has is, is not been finishing and, and the defense has let in some soft goals. But you know what? If I'm Portland, if I'm if I'm Caleb Porter, I'm feeling like I'm going to spin this in a positive way for my team because the way they showed, yeah. they showed, they showed some real heart in coming back. Yeah, I'll agree. But Portland at home against a team that's lower than you in standings, that's a game you need to win. But th- you got to look at the way the game plays out, though. No, I agree. It's, how, it's the... how you feel at the end. It's how you feel when you walk back know. in that locker room. And I guarantee you, the Timbers walk back in their locker room at the end of that game feeling damn good that they battled back and they got a point. They, they, and, and maybe like the next morning, they, they sit back and like, oh, man, yeah, we needed a three. But guess what? That night, they felt good. That night, I'm sure Caleb Porter gave him a rousing speech and said, listen, we need this stuff. The heart we showed late in this game. It's the heart we need to show against Seattle next week, and if we do that, we can win. We can win in Seattle. So uh, the the one I would say the one negative for them, Diego Chara 
getting the red card late, unnecessary forearm yes. slash elbow to the face of Eric Torres. Didn't need to happen. Silly play on his part. I mean, he's normally a lot more reliable than that. But I, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna definitely miss him against Seattle. Uh, I think that's a big blow. And for Houston, they have been playing well over the last couple of weeks. But I was the question is, I mean, what are the what are the realistic chances for Houston to make a push and to get into the playoffs? Uh, that's a that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, even though they're if you're looking at the point totals, I mean, they're right there. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think Seattle, with what they did to, to revamp their squad, uh, right now you got San Jose, Seattle, Houston, and even RSL in that conversation uh, for that last playoff spot. I, I don't know, man. I don't see Houston coming out on top out of that group. Obviously, they're adding Eric Kubo Torres, and, and he's going to be a, a good addition for them. But I don't know, man. There's something about Houston that's just kind of been lacking throughout the year. Um, I don't know what it is. Um and I, you know, San Jose has shown it. I, maybe that's what it is. But I haven't seen San Jose. I haven't seen Houston really this year really put it together in, in in a stretch where you felt like, oh wow, this is a team. This is a playoff team. I mean, when you look at this year, they they have not had more than a two game winning streak all year. And and that, and that should say that should tell you something. I mean, they they you know they they two games is their longest winning streak of the year so that that i mean that kind of inconsistency i mean it's tough to break that it's tough to break that and and i don't know if simply adding kubo torres is going to is going to be enough and and you know they they they're going to have some tough games coming up they have a game against colorado which they could absolutely win that game um but then they have vancouver tough one rsl that's going to be an interesting one they have philly you know uh, interesting game and then you have kc then you have colorado again fc dallas seattle Vancouver. So Vancouver twice in Seattle in your remaining games. That's a tough one. I, I, I don't see it, man. I don't see them getting in the playoffs. Final game of the weekend. Ivis, it was a barn burner. Colorado defeated Chicago 1-0. <laughs> oh, man. We got to come up with a nickname for for, for, uh, for this game because uh, the two last place teams. Yeah. Uh, I think someone said the We Suck Derby. Uh but uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, anyone who watched this game, MLS should send you like a consolation prize. Cause well, if you're a fan, not... you care. Yeah. If you're not a fan, then. No, look, all jokes aside, Colorado, nice to see them play some, play their kids, some of their younger players who have kind of been left out in the wilderness a bit uh, lately. Um, but I don't know, man. Neither of these teams, neither of them are going to make the playoffs. Uh, neither of them has been playing amazing soccer. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like the less said, the better about these guys. That's okay, Ivis, because we can move on and talk CONCACAF. Champions League group play continues. MLS teams continuing to do well after we also like, kicked it off. We mentioned it, Seattle. Great comeback victory for them. LA Galaxy took care of business. And then also DC United on the road down in Panama. Ivis escapes with a late victory. Uh, all the MLS teams doing very well so far. So far, so good. Uh, it, it's you know what the the teams that are in the tournaments this year, they should do well, and, and you like to you like to think they can they can handle uh, the double duty of of CCL and MLS, especially with the playoff pushes for all these teams. I mean Seattle, they they don't even technically have a playoff spot yet. They need to fight their way to get back in. For them, they needed their win. LA, I think they're going to cruise. Uh, DC is an interesting one. You know, I think they. Uh, are they going to start falling apart here later in the year? Are they going to start to fade? I think they have the talent. I think they have the talent to get through. 
through their group stage but you know what they they have to fight now the red bulls the red bulls are on their tail for first place in the east and uh ben olsen man he's gonna his work out his work cut out for him managing trying to make sure they win the group in champions league but also trying to hold on to first place in the east and over in the americans abroad the transfer is now finally set for gideon zayla lim who moves from arsenal to rangers lots of chatter with this one ivis people wondering it was a good move for him to go to a lower division in Scotland. Why don't he just stay in England? Is this the best move for him? Uh, good question, man. Uh, I think it is. Uh, the more you know, more you when you read about Rangers, obviously they're a team that you know with storied history, trying to climb back after after being uh, you know the whole dropping down several divisions, climbing back to the first. They're still a big club, big following. Uh, they've actually. They're actually a ta- they have a talented young team there that's gonna probably you know they're gonna they should dominate and and, and gain promotion in Scotland. So if you're if you're Arsenal and you have an opportunity to put Zellalem on a team that's gonna play attractive soccer, on a team that's gonna play in front of big crowds, on a team that should win a lot of games. I mean that's a pretty good environment for a young player like Zellalem to gain confidence. So I think from that standpoint, I think he should be okay. I think it's going to toughen him up also because you you know you, you know you, you know how tough the Scottish league is, how physical it can be. I can't imagine the second division is going to be a pushover either. So I think from that standpoint, it'll it'll be good. I I think it, obviously it's unfortunate you won't be able to get to see him as often. I'm sure people were hoping oh he put put him in the league championship. Maybe we'll see some games on 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 being sports because you know they have league championship games. Maybe we'll actually get to see them sometimes. Uh, so I'm sure if there's a bit of a self selfishness from U.S. fans at that and from that standpoint. But as long as he's playing on a regular basis and he's playing in front of big crowds and on team a team that's that should win a lot of games, I don't have a problem with it at all. Another young player, there was chatter. Will he make a move? He did not. Julian Green is now staying with Bayern Munich. Will you play for their reserve team, which plays in the fourth division? Um, in Germany, I mean, should he have left? Because I mean, the fourth division in Germany, that's where a lot of these teams have reserve teams. So I guess he would be playing against some good teams, some good quality. But I mean, was it the best move for him to stay there? Well, I don't know if he had much of a choice, right? I mean, his team, it's up to Bayern to decide what he wants, what, what they're going to do with him. And, and, and I can't help but wonder if, if Pep Guardiola has looked at this whole situation and thought, you know what, maybe Julian Green was given a little bit too much too quickly and he needs to kind of be brought down to earth a bit, right? I mean, with the whole, uh, you know, Hamburg situation and him not playing and, you know, the talk about him refusing to play with the fourth division team for Hamburg. And, you know, what was it? A, was it a, and I know obviously there was talk that, you know, Hamburg uh, basically failed to come through with some promises as far as playing time or, or what have you. Uh, maybe Green was misled. Maybe he felt like he was misled. Whatever the case may be, you're talking about a kid who at 18 – uh, how, how 18, 19, however old he was at the time, scores a goal in the World Cup. He's feeling like he's on top of the world, makes the World Cup team, and probably was was feeling feeling himself. You know, he's probably feeling himself. And maybe if you're Guardiola and you're looking at at, at how the past year went, you're thinking, you know what, I want to get this guy back in the fold here at Bayern. Uh, keep an eye on him. Get him back to working hard. Back to really uh, maybe recapturing the joy for the game that maybe he's lost a bit. So. He's still young. No one should write him off just yet. This I don't think this is the end of the world for him. He's still young. Um, it, it's a it's a level he played at already. I mean, he scored a ton of goals there as an you know as as a teenager. Um, he still is still <coughs> still is. But uh, 
We'll see, man. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think we all have been waiting to, for Julian Green to live up to the hype. Um, but just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean he's he, he's you should just completely write him off. Tim Ream on the move. He joins Fulham following the uh, footsteps of many Americans. Uh, is this a good move for Tim Ream, Ivis? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think uh, full. You know, I think we talked about it last year. I think just their tra- their track record with Americans is pretty solid. And uh, you know, I think he's shown already that he he's a very good player on that level. Uh, I think Bolton. I just don't know if Bolton is really. I don't know if they're ever going to re- really climb back up up to the top up to the top division. And and you know, not that Fulham's killing it right now. I think Fulham's. Uh, they, well, you know, the good have- news is that if the season ended right now. If Timmy was on Bolton, he would be sent down a division. If he's with Fulham, he'd be safe. So that's <laughs> right, how you could look right. at it. Right. Yeah, they're both near the bottom. <laughs> um, that's no bueno. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think Fulham is a team that's not – like, I think when it's all said and done, Fulham's not going to get relegated. Fulham's going to climb. Uh, it's still early. I mean, they're only four four games in into a 46-game season. So I think it's a little early, right? I think they're going to be okay. I think Fulham will climb. I think Fulham – and it's a, it's a, it's a you know no offense to Bolton no no offense to to Northwest England but if you have a chance to go to London you want to go to London right you're gonna go experience living in London playing in London uh, playing for a well supported club like Fulham well a storied club with with plenty of history there so uh, you can't knock it if you're yeah you know, Tim Ream I know there was a lot of talk about QPR and that as a possibility and obviously QPR is a is a team that has more financial backing. And from that standpoint, you could argue, yeah, they probably have a better chance of gaining, of getting back up to the Premier League than than Fulham at the moment. But I could see why Ream looks at Fulham and he looks at just the history there and uh, sees it as a better fit for him. So we'll see. We'll see how he does there. Well, over on the U.S. men's national team front, Jurgen Klinsmann usually keeps it close to the chest when he announces the roster. Usually, kind of only keep it for like a week before the game. He did. Let the cat out of the bag a little early. We do know that Tim Howard and Demarcus Beasley will be called up for the U.S. men's national team for their friendlies in September against Brazil and your boys from Peru. Still can't wait to see you wearing a Peru jersey on that day, Ivis. Regardless, Tim Howard, Demarcus Beasley called up for the national team. Um, Tim Howard makes sense. Demarcus Beasley, I mean, I thought he retired, Ivis. What's going on here? <laughs> Look, after that game, they both both Klinsman and Beasley made it clear that they were, they were open to revisiting that whole idea of him being retired. Uh, he still has something left he in does, the tank. He, he has something left in the tank. Uh, he, he, what are you going to do? I mean, Bre- you know, Brexley's been out of the picture, been injured. Greg Garza has actually been playing more right back than left back uh, at Atlas. So maybe Garza is a right back option now. And, uh, and, and there just aren't a ton of left back options. So, uh, Beasley has done well. He's been one of the better left backs in MLS play. So give him, give you bring him back in, and he has that invaluable experience. And and if you're asking yourself, uh, you play Mexico in an all or nothing type game, you 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 don't mind having Beasley's experience. Beasley has played Mexico a million times. He's beaten them several times. He's had a hand in some big wins against. One Mexico. of his best so, games recently was against Mexico in Mexico. He's done well. He's done very well there. So. Uh, I think it's a big move. And as far as Tim Howard goes, obviously, you know, he he was. It's good to see that that Klinsman isn't kind of closing the door on him, uh, even though it's he's kind of made it clear. Look, for now, Brad Guzan's the guy. Tim Howard's the number two. He's got to be okay with that, which makes sense, right? You can't just give give wrap him the starting job after he took a year off. You 
got to make him work for, for, for getting that number one spot back. And I think it's good. You want to have that out of respect for Brad Guzano and the work that he's done uh, over the past year, but it's going to be a good competition then. I think, I think, uh, I think Howard has still has plenty left in the tank. And I think, it, you know, if he's properly motivated, he can absolutely take that job from Guzan. Uh, and if you're asking me who I'm starting on October 10th against Mexico, I'm going to go Tim Howard, but you know, there's a month between now and then. We'll see what Klinsman does. We'll see who he, who he, who he turns to there. Uh, I think it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good battle. It's going to be a good battle between those two. Poor Brad Guzan. He could just never catch a chance. I know, man. Unlucky. He's a very. It's very unlucky. Yes. No, but I don't know. It, it, it's. It, it'll, he'll, it'll be. He'll be the goalkeeper eventually. I'm just. It's just be a longer wait for him. Um, there are some news coming. Well, there isn't news. This is actually real news. I have Toronto FC wants to keep. Josie Atador and Michael Bradley um, out of the September friendlies. They don't want them to go. I could see Josie Atador staying just because Jurgen Klinsmann may leave him home. But Michael Bradley, there is no way. He will be part of the national team in September. That, it's an interesting one, man. It's an interesting one. You know, I mean. There's no way. He is. Well, here's what I would captain. say. I mean, come on. Here's what I would say. Uh, before this game, this, this game this weekend, he had three assists. He was outstanding. One of the best players in the MLS this weekend. He had had a rough stretch of games since the Gold Cup, right? And there were definitely questions of, is he worn out? Does he need a rest? Is he hurt? Uh, we saw it last year where, you know, he had the the post-World Cup where he, where he, had a, he had a tough run of form. And it ended up turning out that he was injured and he needed surgery. So you had those questions about Bradley. And he kind of answered those this, uh, this weekend against Orlando City with three assists. Um, you could understand you, it wouldn't shock me if he looked at these games and said, you know what? I need a fresh Michael Bradley against Mexico in October, right? Do I want to put extra miles on Michael Bradley during this stretch run or don't want to give him a bit of a break and have him fresh for October there? You don't, he has nothing to prove. He has nothing to, to show. Um, so I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, oh, he has to be there. I mean, Ideally, you'd like to have him there. I mean, he's played Brazil a half dozen times already, so it's not like oh, he needs to play against Brazil. So I don't know. It's man. not that he needs to play, but captain of the team, arguably the best player. Yeah, the game coming up in October. Yes, and and I think having the game in October, you can make the case for he. I mean, he has. There's enough on his plate MLS wise. You know, why do you have to bring him in? Now, I, I'm not saying like don't bring him in. But I could totally understand. No, I, I get where you're Klinsman coming from. Decides, no, hey, you know what? I, I need him fresh. Uh, let me keep him with his team, and, and it would I would have no problem with that at all. And it, you know what? If you don't bring him in, it gives opportunities for other guys, right? I mean, you, there's plenty of midfielders in the pool uh, that you could stand to take a look at. So, I, I if he doesn't call either of those guys in, I have zero problem. I have zero problem because you know what, Josie Altador, let him stay with TFC, let him regain his confidence, let him rebuild his confidence. And then if he looks like he's in good form in October, you call him in. You don't have to start him unless you unless you really feel like he's in good form for that game. Um, you don't need to see him now because he's you know he had one good game. Yeah, he came off the bench. He, he scored a couple of goals, but it's still early. He's still you need to see a good run of those games before you really start feeling good about 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 Altidore again. But I have no if if he gives out if he gives Altidore and Bradley September off, I have no problem with that. Moving over to the. U23's Olympic qualifying. It just came out for the group stage. Ivis U.S. will face Panama, Cuba, and Canada. First game kicks off for the U.S. on October 1st. That will be at Sporting Park. 
What do you make of the group for the U.S.? They, I mean, they should take care of business and move on. Well, hey, listen. I will say this. This is a bit of a tricky group. And here's why. Now, Cuba, obviously, that you know, you, you can never tell what a, what a team like Cuba. Um, you gotta you gotta like the U.S.'s chances. Uh, now, as for these other two teams, I mean, Canada. Uh, you know, I know I know they never seem to have any luck on any level. But Canada, I think they've got some young talent. They've got some young talent. Kyle Aaron is eligible for this group. You got to think Kyle Aaron's going to be a key part of this group. Uh, we know what Canada did back in 2012, uh, knocking off the U.S., and no one expected that. And you could definitely argue that the Canada team now is probably more talented than the Canada team then. So let's not let's not go writing off Canada. And then as far as Panama goes, Panama in these age groups, you're talking the U20s, U23s, they've got quite a bit of talent there. They got. They're not going to be a pushover. That Panama U that Panama U twenty team was pretty impressive, and you're going to see a lot of those guys on this twenty three team. So I, I, I tell you what, it's not a gimme. The U S should advance, right? They should advance, mm-hmm. but I don't know. People should not rule out another shocking, another shocking exit. I'm not going to do that. I think they. I think they get through. I think Will Trap, Rubio, Rubin, Jordan Morris. I think there's enough quality there. Um, I think they'll be okay, but it's not going to be easy. Well, Ivis, on the international soccer front, down in Mexico, they have named their new head coach of the national team. That will be Tuca Ferretti. He'll take over. Interesting thing, though, is he's still manager of Tigres, which makes it even more, if let's say Mexico wins in October, what happens? Does he stay? Does he leave Tigres? I mean, only in Mexico does this happen. The drama is unbelievable. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Although I say I don't, I don't get the impression that he wants the job long term. I think he's willing to take it now uh, and and hold on to his uh, Tigres job. I mean, Freddie is a is a is an impressive coach. I mean, he's done a great job. Uh, his track record speaks for itself. And if you look at if you if you get a chance to watch some of the, some videos of him and him at training, I mean, he's he's a very volatile guy, very emotional guy. Uh, you know, he, he's a hard ass. He's our old school hard ass coach, screamer. Uh, you know, he, he's good. He, he's a good coach, man. Results speak for themselves. So tricky, especially when you're talking about an interim coach, a coach that, you know, players, they know he's an interim coach. Uh, but having said that, he's a guy who commands respect. And I think that's what they, that's what that team needs above, uh, you know, above all else. When you're talking about one, you know, they, they got those friendlies, but the, the game in October is what matters. And you need a coach who, who commands respect, who's going to organize, who's going to, who has that kind of experience playing in big games. Obviously, they just, Tigres just played in the Copa Libertadores final. So, you know, it, it's not like Ferretti hasn't only just recently uh, been on the sidelines for a huge game. So I think it's a good appointment for them. I'm very interested to see who they end up sticking with long term. Uh, and I thought it was, I, I, I was very surprised to see Juan Carlos Cesario's name mentioned among the candidates to be the full, like the long term uh, replacement there. So that, I was I was he's at for those who haven't been keeping track he's at uh, he's at Sao Paulo in Brazil now a uh, pretty high level position down in South America um, I still Mar- Bielsa is the guy that I think Mexico fans would love to have that obviously always, they they would also love Sampaoli the the Chile coach either of those guys would be great hires I don't think Freddie's going to stick around um, it's a tough job though man there's a lot of politics there I think I think potential candidates are fully aware of all the politics going on and the fact that, you know, you, you have TV conglomerates having all sorts of power within the Federation. 
it's it's all a bit it's all a bit messy. So we'll see. We'll see who they end up sticking with. I, I love it. It's awesome. Soap opera. It's a you big know what it is because it doesn't affect us. So I think that's why I enjoy it. Well, indirectly it, it does. does that's but, like the U.S.'s key rival. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But it's not my team, so you know. I just I love watching it. It's great. You know what it is. You know why it's dramatic uh, for uh, the whole Mexico th- coaching thing. Uh, it can be dramatic for U.S. fans is because. You look at it, and it's kind of like watching a bit of a train wreck because it's always this coaching carousel and the whole nine. But then there's also that kind of deep-seated fear that they're eventually going to get it right. That, oh, crap, they, they hired the right guy. Holy crap. They, they hired the guy who's going to get them past the round of 16 of the World Cup. They're going to get the guy who helps them actually win uh, the, the hex uh, qualifying cycle. You know, because they have the talent. They have the talent. I mean, you say what you want, you can deny it all you want, but Mexico has a ton of talent that, you know what, by rights, they should they should be ahead of the U.S. They should beat the U.S. They should, these last couple of years, they should have finished ahead of the U.S., but you know what, the U.S. did more with what they had than Mexico did, and part of that was, you know, the coaching issues with Mexico. But if they hire Sampaioli, if they hire Bielsa, if they hire a, a proven top-flight coach who gets them gets all that talent together... It's going to be scary, man. It's going to be scary. And I think that's why U.S. fans have to kind of pay attention. They have to look at it because one of these days they're going to get it right. One of these, you would think, right, just by odds, right, just by math, just probabilities, at some point they're going to hire the guy who figures it out. They hire the guy who really makes Mexico a force. And if you're a U.S. fan, you're hoping that doesn't happen anytime soon but and, and definitely not in the next three or four years, but – you know, you figure one of these days it will happen. I just continue on the international front, moving over to Europe. Manchester City defeated Everton. Tim Howard, great game in this one. I actually, really good game in this one. Couldn't do enough, though. Uh, and Manchester City, man, top of the table after three games, all nine points. Well, Howard had a good game, but people are going to talk about the goal that he gave in, that he gave up. Kohler off near post goal. Uh, and it, it's funny, man, how like clockwork, as soon as a goalkeeper gives up in your post goal, no matter the circumstances, it's a it's a terrible goal. It's a terrible goal. It, that's all the, some people are just kind of like locked in. That's their auto response to a near post goal. Goalkeeper gives a near post goal. For those of you who didn't see it, Kolarov, who has one of the best left foots, left feet in the game, right? Unbelievable left foot. He he streaks down the left side. He has an impossibly tight angle. A position where you figure 99 times out of 100, the player is going to cross it. The player is going to send the ball in because the angle where he is, I mean, the guy was like a yard from the end line, right? You do not expect him to take the shot and hit it perfectly. What did Kolarov do? He hit the shot, hit it perfectly, slid it just inside of Tim Howard, uh, on the near post, and Tim Howard was, was was cheating over for the cross because at that position, you're expecting a cross. Kolarov, to his credit, hit a perfect, perfect shot, beat Tim Howard. But guess what? People are going to crap all over Tim Howard. Oh, he beat near post. It's terrible. It should never happen. I'm sorry, folks. Yes, just by the the strictest like guidelines of goalkeeping, yes, you should not give up goals to the near post. But that was such an extreme play to ignore the circumstances, to ignore the degree of difficulty. It just does the whole thing and does Kolarov and Howard at the service. Because I'll tell you what, folks, 
I can't. There aren't many left backs in the world who hit that shot and make that shot. Down in Spain, Ivis La Liga kicked off. Barcelona took care of business. They win their opening game. Luis Suarez scored. I saw a stat. Every game that Luis Suarez scores in for Barcelona, they win every single game. Unbelievable stat. Also, Real Madrid, uh, they pick a draw. They they play to a draw in their opening match. Uh, yes, La Liga has kicked off uh, in the Rafa Benitez era. Is off to an inauspicious beginning for Real Madrid. Uh, that's a tough one for them uh, to drop points already. Barcelona, big win for them. You know, 1-0 against the same team that they just got smoked by uh, in the Spanish Cup Winners Cup. So, you know, you like seeing that. Obviously, they don't have no Neymar back. Uh, they're still missing a few pieces uh, from their full-strength squad. And let's not forget now, Barcelona is is now adjusting to life after Pedro. Pedro Rodriguez has moved on. He's at Chelsea, and he didn't waste any time. Goal and an assist, although I don't know, apparently maybe not an official assist, but he scored a goal, helped set up another goal in his debut for Chelsea, a big Chelsea win. But I think Barcelona, they'll be okay, right? I mean, you understand why he left, because he just wasn't going to start on a team with Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. But Barcelona, big win for them. We're going to see how long Rafa Benitez takes to figure things out. What are you talking about, dude? Neymar's not going to be back. He's he's going to Manchester United. He'll never play for nah. Barcelona again. Come on, dude. <laughs> Listen, man, that is not happening. It would. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It, it, listen, <laughs> actually, I, I saw a pretty funny tweet. Uh, yeah. Addressing that, and it's like they're not going to sign Neymar. They already signed Thomas Muller, Gareth Bale, every and every other guy they were linked with this summer. Right? <laughs> I mean, they, they've been linked to everyone under the sun. Uh, it's unbelievable. I'll be real. Would, would, would you? I, I mean, I would choose just the city of Barcelona a million times over Manchester. I mean, why would you want to leave Barcelona? I mean, I've never been to Barcelona, so I can't. But really... I need But I'm assuming I'd rather be on the ah, beach yeah, yeah. than be in England and freezing my butt out of Manchester. You know what? You know, you know what's great about Manchester? Yeah, the paycheck. That's what's great about Manchester. <laughs> the paycheck. The pay. The pay. And people don't understand this. The pay. In the English Premier League, is just a different level. That everyone, everyone, it's funny because people who don't pay attention, like they always wonder. Like you get these like players who are like really established internationals, right? And they're playing in like in Serie A, they're playing in the Bundesliga or somewhere. And then you'll hear them be like, "Oh, it was always my dream to play at." And then it'll be some small English club, some small English Premier League club, or not one of the powerhouses. And you're like, "Why is this guy leaving?" You know a top Serie A team to sign for like a bottom five Premier League team. And it's because of the money, because of the the wages are just different level. It's all about the money, man. It, it always is. Um, so, I mean, that, that it's, I don't think, I don't know if people realize just how much of a disparity there is in wages between wages in England and everywhere else in Europe. Well, see, that's, that's the biggest problem facing the SBI show. We should be taking the show to England. That way we get high salaries. Think about that. Mm, I don't know, man. We could live in um, where do you want to live? We could live anywhere. We could live at look at this 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 cute little city, Reading. We could live in Reading. You said Reading. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I know you know how to say that. <laughs> Stop it. I tell you what. Forget it. England. Apparently, I'm going to be moving to Florida pretty soon. Who told you that? I'm putting a hard press on moving to Florida. That's Who is? Thing. My wife, she wants to move to Florida. Isn't that what you do when you're retired? You're not retired yet. Yeah, I know, but she, I don't know. She's got this whole thing on. Uh, thankfully, my my oldest, my, you know, uh, thankfully my oldest son 
is not down with that either. So we're going to have to form a united front to, to, to halt, put a halt to that. Florida? I mean, the only band, I, you'd have to live by the beach. If you didn't live by the beach, then be, what's the well, point? Well, obviously, obviously. If we go to Florida, we're going to live by the beach. To go, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't think many transplants. I don't think many. I don't, how many people really move to Florida and then don't live by the beach? I mean, come on. I don't know. Can't be many. You never know. I'm sure it's some, but ninety-five percent of transplants end up living by the beach. Maybe. I don't know. I've only been to Florida a few times, so I, I can't. I can't tell you, Ivis. I can't tell you. Love it. Um, all right, Evis. That wraps up today's SBI show. Before I let you go, anything else we need to break down? That's it, man. Other than TV, it's TV time. Fear the Walking Dead has made its debut. I didn't watch I it. Don't say anything. Yet. I'm going to give all the spoilers don't, right now. Don't say anything. No, it looks good. I'll say that. It looks good. And it's different from Walking Dead. I mean, if the thing is, for those who haven't figured out the whole, like, I mean, there's been enough previews on it. Uh, it's set in LA, number one, so that's different. And it's set just before the actual outbreak of the virus so it gives a little different perspective than the original walking dead which kicks off when you know rick is rick grimes was in a coma and all the devastation has pretty much already happened so it's different different perspective first episode was pretty good uh i mean i enjoyed it quite a bit uh and two other shows i got to talk about ballers just wrapped up its season on hbo i enjoyed it man that's your show with the rock right yes i liked it man i thought it was pretty good i thought it was pretty funny Obviously, it's a little, a little over the top, a little cheesy, but it, I thought it was good. Good show. Uh, and then Mr. Robinson, the comedy on NBC, one of my favorite comics, uh, Greg Robinson, is on. It, it, it's his show. He got his own show, which is cool to see. Uh, I just I just breezed through his first season of that show, and if you get a chance to catch it on Hulu or whatever, you know, on demand or whatever, you, I, I recommend watching it. It's pretty funny. It's a comedy. Uh, I would recommend those shows. I don't have HBO. Do you want to give me your uh, password? HBO. Oh, for what ballers? Ballers. Yeah. Do you want to give me your password so I can, uh, you know, log in remotely? I don't. I don't have. I don't have HBO. What? Like, you're, 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 you are slacking. I have HBO regular, like on like my Directv. What are you talking about? Slacking. You need I, a code I don't so I can watch it on my iPad, man. Come on. You're hey, you're like domesticated. You should have HBO right now. We we don't, dude. I had to fight to get the sports here. <laughs> Come on, man. That's a tax write-off. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, that is. That's a good point. <laughs> quasi-journalist, man. You should be writing that up. Quasi-journalist. Thank you, Iris, for saying that. I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm going to let you go. You have a good rest of the week. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Views, comments, everything you do to support Ivis and I. That is Ivis Clemson. I'm Gary Cleverly. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>